Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and my cast is as follows. C. Thomas plays Oka Hien, an Osamar Bloodhunter. Max Guo plays Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra Artificer. Erica Flaidlin plays V. Nakshirzo, an Elf Sorcerer. Hamna Shahid plays Jaron Kader, a Dragonborn Rogue. Dare Hickman plays Gentle, a Triton Monk. Quinn B. Rodriguez plays Sidlali, a Changeling Cleric. And Austin Knight plays Abiku Ishtar, a Reborn Goliath Ranger. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include darkness, references to hunting animals, violence against dog-like creatures, fantasy violence, gore, blood, heights and falling, explosions, and references to imprisonment. Arc 5, Episode 8. Somewhere a Sun. From Summer Somewhere by Denez Smith. Have you ever stood in complete darkness? Pitch black, shadow, no light, no glimmer, not even the echo of a memory of daylight. Your senses begin to lie to you. Your eyes show you images that simply aren't there. Your hands moving in front of your face, figures darting on your periphery. Your hearing heightens. You perceive your own heartbeat, your own breath, the sweat trickling down the nape of your neck. You smell your own sour fear leaching from your pores like black tar. And you see nothing. Nothing at all. Abiku, Dewey, and V. Your torches flicker in the chill midwinter breeze. Cold wind bites your exposed cheeks, threading icy fingers through your hair. The three of you stand at attention, your bedrolls half-made, tense, half-pitched weapons drawn. A sea of dark grass, hunched boulders, and rolling meadow quivers around you. Your breaths escape from your parted lips in thick plumes of white before vanishing into the darkness. The darkness presses against the edges of your torchlight, a globe of shadow threatening to consume this paltry fire. The ground shakes. Boom! It shakes again. Boom! And that's when you see it. Forty feet in front of you, dust. Black particulates of shadow drifting through the wind toward your party like ashen snowflakes. They flutter against your eyelashes, your fingertips, your lips painlessly, and you're struck by how nothing they feel. They're not cold like snow or hot like volcanic ash. 
They don't smell like brimstone or ice or sleet or rain. No, this dust fluttering all around you just simply isn't. And then, ballooning out of the void in front of you, a column of liquid shadow. It sloughs against the winter grass, and you hear a sizzling noise, kind of like flesh hitting a hot pan, as the grass flattens, withers, dies underneath it. And the shadow ribbons itself into a shape, a claw, and then an arm, a shoulder, a throat, a head, and solidifying in front of you 40 feet away is a hound the size of a small hill, 20-25 feet tall perhaps, with no eyes, no markings, just pitch black inky void. Dark dust swirls around this hound like blood going down a drain. And then, boom! The earth trembles again, boom, and again, and your horses whinny in fear, pulling against the post they're hitched to, and that's when the three of you see the second beast. A gargantuan mass of shadow lumbering into the flickering circumference of light cast by your torches. A void foot, the size of three people, easily slams down. Boom, and you see that this foot is attached to an ankle, a shin, a thigh that looms just out of range of your torchlight. You have no idea how big this thing is. It's swallowed by the darkness above your heads, but it's at least the size, it seems, of a tower, if not bigger. And radiating off of its void black ankle, its lower leg, its skinless skin, its fleshless shadowy flesh is dust. Ashen, blackened dust filtering through the air, forming a thick miasma all around the battlefield. And now, the hound's jaw unfurls, folds open like a flower, revealing rows and rows and rows of razor-sharp teeth, like the rasping mouth of a lamprey. The dust thickens around you, obscuring your vision. And I need the three of you to roll initiative. This is fine. This is fine. <laughs> Fifteen. Abiku? Uh, synthetic 20, 16 plus 4. Erica? Uh, 15 as well. Uh, okay, so the first to act is going to be Abiku. Uh, the horses hitched to the wooden hitching post are straining, you know, against like their bridles. They're like winning in fear. All around you, you smell this nothing. These flakes of like dusty particulates are just fluttering in front of you. You see this huge, massive 25 foot hound, right? And like a huge like shin mm-hmm. right behind it. And it's snarling and growling at you 40 feet away. What do you do? Okay, I'm first. All right. Never fought with these people. Okay. Uh,. Yeah, I think I'm so I will use my action to summon sun. Uh, this thing seems like it's no bad news bear. So no, no, thank you. So I will do that. And so reaches into the ground, pulls up the skull, pulls up sun, as you have seen a few episodes prior. So it goes immediately after sun goes immediately after me. And then for a bonus action, I will cast a spell. Okay, what's the spell you're casting? Lightning arrow. Uh, the next time I make a ranged weapon attack during the spell's duration, the weapon is in your mission, or the weapon itself, if it's thrown, transforms into a bolt of lightning. Make the attack roll as normal. The target takes 48 lightning damage on a hit, or half as much damage on a miss, instead of the weapon's normal damage. Okay, uh, so Abiku, you sort of slam your fist down or your palm down onto the ground and you summon sun. So why don't you describe what that looks like? 
so when Sun comes up out of the dirt again, long skeletal, dra- draconic like body, not a uh, dragon. Uh, and I think Sun, instead of like coming out and seeming like fun and friendly, comes out and lets out a massive roar. And like deep in their throat, you see this like crackling energy almost. Yes, the earth kind of erupts around you where you make contact with it. And this like glowing orange sigil, the same color as like the orbs that light up uh, Sun's skull, like ripple into existence in a circle around you and just like one claw out, another bony claw out, and then like shaking off the earth, like uh, Sun Mm -hmm. emerges, right? Ribbons himself into existence, lets out this belching roar toward this hound, which snaps its void, inky black gaze upon uh, Sun and responds in kind with a growl. Uh, and like these two beasts just sort of like snarl at each other and uh, Sun's like bony tail filled with spiky vertebrae like whips out uh, sort of like wraps almost protectively around you Ibiku and you hear uh, Sun in your head go just tell me what to do it's been a long time since we fought together yes I point at the thing that thing no good (laughs) you got it Uh, and Sun like, like crouches down like ready to pounce and attack uh, and I think as you ready your lightning arrow, why don't you tell me what that looks like? So I think it looks like the image you would do for like knocking a bow, even though she's in like knockers, almost out of muscle memory and she pulls back and as the air gets sucked in, you see it like ele- electrify essentially. That's what we call that. And so it gets sucked in to start forming this bow, this arrow. And as it solidifies into the bolt, it solidifies into literally like she's gonna shoot a lightning bolt. Yeah, there's a noise of like creaking tendon and like, I think like wood as you like string your bow and then like a like an electricity energy uh, that like yeah. zaps all around you, like it vibrates off your yeah. skin. And as, I like, think like, her, the clouds in her face turn into like rolling lightning clouds. Yeah, and like we all sort of hear and feel this like sucking, like thunderous noise, like vibrating around a Biku, right? Like almost like you're summoning a storm as like, I think miniature clouds and mist and wind like whips around your bow as you string like a lightning arrow and get ready to point it. Is that your turn? I don't think she would move back at all. So I think I'm just gonna like, come come do something about it then. Totally, yeah. You plant yourself and you draw a bead uh, on this huge shadow hound and uh, Sun, Sun also gets ready to attack. Uh, as the horses, I think, in the background are like whinnying and like neighing like crazy. Like they want to get the, they want to get the heck out of here, yeah, right? But they're like they really to that post. Yeah. Uh, I think next is going to be Dewey. Uh, were we in the middle of, had we like settled down for the night? Were we in the middle of getting ready for bed? Were we sleeping? You were. You were hunkering down for the night. Uh, and that's when, like, I think you all decided to, like, maybe stay on guard and, like, wait for this hunter to show up, right, that the vultures had talked about. So you were ready. Like, you weren't surprised by this. Like, your weapons were drawn. I think, like, your tent is half-pitched, right? Your bedrolls are half-made. Uh, you were, like, mm-hmm. kind of getting ready for a fight, kind of getting ready to bed down. Uh, okay. I think Dewey rushes into the tent where he stashed the god jar. <laughs> um... And he goes into the tent and tries to like get it out of harm's way. <laughs> so, so you're gonna use your action to keep the god jar safe? Yes. Okay, let's call that a sleight of hand check to see how successful you are. Hmm, all right. That's a funny hmm. look on your face. <laughs> That's a funny number I rolled. Uh, how's a 10 do? A 10. That's yes. pretty middling, Dewey, not gonna lie. Super you have a average. Flash of genius? 
Uh, I do. I just don't think that I don't think that Dewey's in that mindset right now. Okay. It's sort of like a desperate scramble for you scramble into this like half like kind of sunken intent because like only like part of its shoulder is up and you like tear through like blankets and pillows and other people's shit like revs various whittled wooden knives and you find like the god jar and you grab it and it's safe. You see it's glazed ceramic. You see it glinting lowly in the torchlight filtering through the fabric and it's safe. It's in your hands. How do you keep it safe? Uh, I'm just gonna cover it with my body as much as possible and run away from this enormous hunter. So you're gonna use your movement to flee in the opposite direction? <laughs> Correct. Okay, so what's your full- are you flying or are you running? No, I'd be running because I'd need my arms to fly. Right, because your arms are- <laughs> you're like a wyvern, Era Coker. Yeah, okay, so all of you just see, as Abiku's doing her like dope-ass like magic ranger shit, you just see Dewey run into a tent, grab the god jar, run out, and like run in the opposite direction. Dewey's also like the whole time he's running is like watching Abiku wide-eyed. Like she just pulled out yet another bone dragon from the earth. Wow, yeah, okay. Uh, so as you like start to flee, you hear Rev go, Dewey, what are you doing? As you like run in the opposite direction. The jar, Rev, I'll I'll be back. What? Where are you going? Where? We need you. I'll be there. I just got to get this out of the way. Yeah, and you just continue to huff it. We see like Dewey just like huff it, like stumbling a little bit, like maybe over some of the bedrolls, like past the horses who are like pawing at you, like trying to like, like looking wide eyed at you and you run past all of it uh, until like the guttural growl of like the hound sort of like almost starts to fade to the middle distance as you're huffing it. And is that your turn? Yeah. Okay, uh, let's go to V. V uses her entire action to give eyes emoji at Dewey. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> Um, I think V is ran over an unhitched shadow from the post and jumps, not like riding on top, but like stand crouching on top of shadow. It's like, come on, shadow. And I runs towards the giant legs going up into the darkness. She's going to cast minute meteor because she's going to get six quick meteors rolling around her. And uh, as she gets close, she's going to leap off, do a flip, and throw, well, in midair, throw two meteors up to their full 120 feet to explode into the creature. However far 120 feet up goes for these meteors. Okay, that's yeah. going to take several rolls here, V. So first of all, you go to Shadow. Uh, you unhitch Shadow. You hop on Shadow's back and, yeah, like compel Shadow to run toward the base of this monster. Give me an animal handling check because Shadow is scared out of his mind. 17? That is sufficient. Tell me how you coax Shadow and like calm his nerves. I think V is going to be like once unhitched and gets onto uh, Shadow's back. It just, I think she actually puts her head like on Shadow's head, like in Shadow's mane and just like, it's okay, friend. We've got this. I'm with you right here. The terrified, anxious neighing and whinnying sort of dies down, and you sort of see like the ears like that were pinned back in anxiety and fear sort of like turn forward. Uh, and even though Shadow is scared out of his mind, bless his heart, he like pulls away from the hitching post and gallops uh, towards certain danger, like whinnying the entire way, but like feeling more confident with you on his back. And as Shadow gets close and close and close, uh, I think you like stand up in the stirrups, right? And you like put your hands up and poof. So make an attack roll with disadvantage because you don't know what you're hitting. Does a 28 hit? With disadvantage? Oh, sorry, shit, I gotta roll one more time. Damn it. Uh, only 19. Uh, describe to me what it looks like as he send it hurtling up into darkness. Yeah, so V is gonna leap off and just like the whirling fire meteors of fireballs. She's gonna grab one, throw it, and then as she's like turned back over, 
about to land and like Shadow is running up underneath me and throw the other one like from the other side and hopefully they just sort of like crash near where she thinks the top of this thing is. Yeah, these two flaming orbs, boom! All of you just see like like pinpricks, like almost like little fireworks being sent up like 120 feet into the air and then they explode right into this thing's face or rather its lack of a face. All three of you, maybe not Dewey if your back's turned, uh, see for just like a half a second illuminated by this these sparks of a bright exploding fire, like a kind of just like ovular head with no facial features, just completely black attached to a thick like neck and these like shoulders that come out. Almost like it's like a shadow person, just with no face, no defining features. And like the last thing you see before everything plunges back into darkness 120 feet up is this head turning to look down at V, right? Uh, and then poof, it like fades to darkness again. Is that your turn? That is. Next up is gonna be Rev. There's just a, a swirl of like dark raven feathers as she disappears from next to the horses and reappears right at the base of this thing's like massive foot that's like bigger than she is, right? Uh, next to you, V, and your terrified horse that I think has like reared up onto his hind legs and is sort of kicking in the air. Uh, and Rev holds out a hand and uh, Grim ripples into existence. She swings her scythe down to attack this thing like right at the ankles. On one of her swings, uh, she will get to you an extra D six of lightning damage as she swings down and you see sun look over at rev connecting and you see this like orange electrical energy jump from sun's body onto rev scythe it's a reaction Ooh. that sun can do Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I think maybe on the third swipe, right? The first yeah. swipe, just like shadowy, like light erupts from Grimm and just slices forward, almost like a, a echo, like coming forward, like from her scythe and like rips into this ankle, right? And just sort of like disperses some of the dust, uh, almost like she's like hitting a really dusty mattress with like a baseball bat and just that explosion of dust comes off of it, right? Like almost like little butterflies of like just black particulates explode off of the surface of this ankle. And then one slash, then another slash, another explosion of dust and a final slash imbued with this orange electricity. She turns to look at like Sun in that moment with like a look of like exhilarated gratitude. And like a Biku, you get the sense that like, even though this is fucking terrifying and you're all like clearly like outsized, Rev seems to be having fun. Almost like when she's in a fight, she seems to be coming alive here, right? And she laughs and twirls around for that final strike and slashes it with the lightning damage. Oh boy. <laughs> Gonna deal 49 points of damage total uh, to this thing. And she just like slices it, right? And like whirls around uh, to uh, throw her, ha her arm out to protect V. So next up is gonna be uh, this no thing. boy. <laughs> it's gonna be this thing. Uh, so the first thing it does, this massive gargantuan vague figure, you don't hear noise, but you hear and feel pressure. Uh, almost like you're at a concert and the bass is like so low that you can't even perceive the bass, but you feel it thrumming in your sternum. You know what I mean? If you've been at a concert, like this low bass just shaking your bones right in your heart. Sort of like that, like pulse waves out uh, from the soles of this thing's feet. And like you see all the little dusty particulates in the air just sort of shimmer and vibrate, um, especially around the hound. And the hound sort of tosses its huge head, almost like it's responding to this like wordless command uh, that this huge hunter has just pulse waved outward. And the hound is going to whip its massive gnashing maw at you, Abiku, uh, who is 40 feet away, but this thing usually has 40 feet of movement. It's gonna bound toward you. And where, where it runs, you feel that like the ground just go, 
as it, as it like charges you and like where it's black inky paws hit the ground you see the earth just wither and die and you like also notice that as it dies it almost looks like the effects of overgrazing and it is going to uh, try to attack you with its huge gnashing like five foot wide maw so I need you to make a DC 20 strength save oh, uh, 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 uh. sorry excuse me it's not ready for a save to get hit but I am very strong. How's a 22? That is good. Okay, so you will only take half damage. That's cool. gonna be a total of a seven points of slashing damage and four points of poison damage. Uh, as this huge- I'm resistant to poison. Then two points of poison damage. I'm so glad this is working out. Yay! That matters. Yeah, this thing barrels at you, right? As you're like charging mm-hmm. up your bow, maybe you like you turn your bow on it at the last moment, but then it just barrels at you. Um, mm-hmm. And you brace your ground, so you're not knocked prone or grappled by this thing, but mm-hmm. it is chomping at you, right? Like it's sloughing mm-hmm. this kind of black saliva on you that sort of sizzles at your skin. That's where the poison damage is from, like mm-hmm. where it hits you. And I think like part of its maw, cause it's so big, bites at your arms and your hands and like rips into you, right? It's like, I have two things. You. I made a con save because lightning arrows is a concentration until I use it. I got a 16, so I should be good. That's sufficient, yep. Uh, Two, for my reaction, I need it to make a strength saving throw. (gasps) What? Girl, DC 17. What? I shit you not, I got a 16. (laughs) So it rolled really low. It will take two D8 force damage and be pushed 10 feet away from me. Oh, roll that force damage. You're just having a shoving match. Five force damage and it's pushed okay. 10 feet away from me as these these winds whip up around a Biku and like shove this thing away from her as it hits. Ooh, yeah, like you're, you like, I think it smashes into you and there's like an initial force wave as like the dust mm-hmm. swirls around you. And then you just throw it off with like wind. And it like, I think it hits the ground onto its side. Uh, mm-hmm. This thing is like, you're eight feet tall. It's more than twice as large as you because it's like 20, oh, yeah. 25 feet tall, right? So, but you, we all just see a Biku's like muscle strain and this like breeze gust out of like her. And this thing like falls, the ground like literally cracks and shakes and bends as it hits the ground and rolls away like 10 feet from you. But it like scrambles back onto its feet and snarls. Yeah, I, I, I've done enough on not my turn. Oh my God, that's so cool. Yes. Who says, who says the ranger can't be a tank? Hmm? Who says that? Uh, so the next thing that this huge, the hunter is gonna do is, I don't think any of you see this happen, but you hear kind of a noise like a, and I need V and Rev, because you're right at its feet, to make a dexterity saving throw. Um, just so you know, I used a luck point to reroll it. So it's in total a 22. Okay, that is sufficient. Rev got a nat one. <laughs> I kid you. I kid you not. Rev got a nat one. Uh, so if you want, because you you passed it, you can like kind of sacrifice yourself a little bit to like take some of Rev's damage to push her out of the way if you want, but you also don't have to. Um, I think V would try to protect Rev. Uh, okay, yeah, I think so. So you act on instinct alone. As you just sort of see like a flash of white shoot down at you, what do you do in that split second? I think V is going to just leap towards Rev and just like tackle her to the side to just get try to get out of the main hit of white light, whatever it is. 
Okay, you tackle Rev. I think she's so like intent on you. I think she was talking to you. She was like, V, that was great. Are you okay? What do you think? Whoa. And you like tackle her, right? And the two of you fly through the air just as a the tip of a massive bone spear like slams into the ground next to this thing's foot right where you and Rev were standing like a fraction of a second before. And you don't get like crushed by the spear, but the earth like erupts around like the point of contact because it's so huge. Uh, and like as like, huge like chunks of like rock and dirt just like explode upward and like fling you and Rev back. Your body is protecting her, so you're gonna take uh the full brunt of it. Uh and Rev's gonna take no damage if that's okay with you. Sounds good. Okay, so you are going to take 23 points of bludgeoning damage and seven points of cold damage. The bludgeoning is from all the rocks flying at you, but the spear seems to emit like a like a cold, like void kind of like magic as it like hit the ground and exploded outward at you as well. Yep. Um, I think V like will hit that and like hit the ground a little bit and just like you can see that she's just got like some of her clothing is like ripped a little bit from all this earth shattering stuff. Totally. And you see that the spear is like five feet wide with this like flat kind of dry, almost like porous like spear tip uh, and like maybe 20 feet tall of like a thin kind of shaft uh, that like goes up, 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 up and like disappears into the darkness. Right. And V, make a perception check for me. Uh, 15. You hear kind of faintly coming from within, you assume maybe the marrow of this spear, like within it, like a kind of like faint gurgling uh, and kind of rhythmic beeping noise. Like a go, 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 And like the beeping seems to be getting louder and faster as every second ticks by. Uh, and that is going to be this thing's turn. We're going to go back to the top of the order with a Biku. Yeah, I look at the dog thing that charged me and I like line it up with my arrow and I'm like, mistake. And I'm gonna shoot at this thing. Okay, make an attack roll. Does a 15 plus nine is 24? 24? No, 20, 24 didn't hit before, right? 24 does not hit. Uh, Well, since it's my lightning arrow, it will still take half damage. Six lightning for my first attack. I have two attacks as the ranger. Now I will roll a second attack. 28. That does actually hit. So just roll damage and roll. I'll mark that as a favorite enemy and I'll take an additional D6 of damage. What does marking an enemy look like? I think the flavor was saying that was a mistake Mm. (laughs) when they Mm -hmm. tried to hit her. All right, so it will take, woo, uh, 17 piercing and then uh, six force because my bow does an additional 1d6 of force damage. Sounds good. Uh, so like this arrow ricochets off of your bow and where does it spear this hound? Uh, I think it gets it right like near its mouth because it tried to bite me, right? So I think it gets it like in the lip. Yeah, uh, it lodges in its lip like and missed its like many rows of like shark-like gnashing teeth and it oh, like shakes its head trying to get it out like a, like a toothpick lodge in its gum. And then with my bonus action, I will point and say, Son, that is the problem I need you to deal with. And you just hear Sun go, Gladly, Abiku. And like turn and let out like a uh, another roar that is, does not sound like his kind of like adolescent voice in your head. Just go, let out a... And like do exactly as you command. So what does Sun do? Uh, it's going to run over and make some... Make a bite attack. Will not hit because it's a 23. Uh, are you going to have it deal damage anyway or miss as usual? It can miss for now. I have okay. something else. I'm thinking I'm, I'm cooking when I okay. may want to take some damage. So 
Okay, yeah, Sun pounces at it, and I think maybe Sun, like, latches onto a shoulder and just, like, won't mm -hmm. let go, right? This thing's, like, trying to, like, thrash Sun off, but Sun's, like, oh, like, lashing on, and it's, like, rearing mm -hmm. this huge 25-foot-tall mastiff is rearing its, like, head that's got, like, several little, like, arrows poking out of it and trying to, like, shake mm -hmm. Sun off, but Sun's holding on. That's it for me. I think Abika doesn't notice that Dewey's mm -hmm. running around or whatever. She's pretty focused. You're pretty, yeah, exactly. Sounds good. So next up, Dewey. You are now 25 feet away from the scene of chaos as your friends are, are like tiny little ants fighting against this like huge dog and it's even huger owner, right? The hunter. What do you do? Uh, you see Dewey set down the jar very carefully on the ground, uh, maybe behind the nearest boulder or something okay. so it's not just out in the open. And with his back turned, you see sort of like him bounce up and down, and his shoulders go up and down, and he's just like psyching himself up for a second. And then he turns around and... He's going to fly in a diagonal line um, towards the head of the thing because I have my goggles of night, but it only has a range of 60 feet. Ooh. Okay. So you slip your goggles on and you take flight. There's like a reverberation of wind that sweeps out and like sweeps some of this dusty miasma away from you. Because even like 25 feet away, the dust aura seems to like spread to where you are. It's kind of like partially obscuring your sight and you flap up into the air and you begin to fly toward the head of this thing at least 120 feet into the air. So if you fly at a diagonal, I can't do math. Let's just split the difference and say you get halfway there. Uh, so you're, you'll be like 60 feet away from its head by the end of your movement, uh, which is right within the range of your goggles of night. Uh, so Dewey, as you flap through the air, the cold midwinter breeze like gusting against your face, maybe some tears come out from the edges of your eyes, right? Through this like wintry atmosphere. And finally, like through your goggles, boo, they light up and you see this huge like humanoid form again, almost like it's been carved from obsidian, uh, but it, it, the edges of its form almost look incorporeal. Like it's made of like mist because the edges of his thing's form always seem to shift. Uh, and then you realize what it is. It's because it seems to be exuding, like passively just exuding this black dust. And its head is still like looking down and where had speared at V and Rev. And you see it's like, it's moving quite slow because it's so huge. Like its head is going toward its back. Uh, and you see through your goggles of night that there are these like white rinds of bone peeking out from its like traps uh, and as it reaches toward one of these white rinds you sort of see like it pull like from the depths of its own body another like kind of wet length of marrow uh, that sort of ends at a sharp spear point. What do you do? You're 60 feet away. I'm going to try and catch the attention of the fa face area and, and then I'm going to cast using the same magic that um Dewey used to infuse his wedding band with the mind shielding magic. He's going to use that to cast Phantasmal Killer. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, how does that work? I am um, tapping into the nightmares of a creature I can see and create an illusory manifestation of its deepest fears, visible only to that creature. Uh, so you gotta make a wisdom save. I don't like this thinking look. It does not have very high wisdom, this thing. I'm just gonna say right now. It got a nat one. What am I rolling? I rolled like three 11s in a row and now two nat Three's ones. for a successful spell. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, what does it look like as you like reverberate magic toward it? I think you just see within like from Dewey's point of view and then you zoom in from his eyes towards, I guess where the eyes would be on this creature. Not that I think it has any. And then you go like into its brain and you see its deepest fears. It doesn't have a brain? 
but I'll oh. tell you what happens here. Uh, we zoom in. This thing, as it was looking down at Via Rev, seems to sense you 60 feet away, and it, like, slowly raises its featureless blank head at you, uh, and that's when poof, you make contact, and you, like, bing, like a pinprick, poof, shooting between a non-existent eyes, like, into its forehead. And Dewey, for an instant, you are plunged into darkness, uh, and then you see what it sees. You see the stranger, taller than the world, a column of blood as its body wings unfurled eyes, thousands and thousands and millions of eyes plastering the horizon from north to south, east to west, feathery, darkened wings rippling in this negative spaces between these eyes. You see her, you see mother. And every single eye, every mutating, pupating iris turns and locks onto you, Hunter. And you get this overwhelming sense of failure just sort of like wash over you. The singular purpose for which you have been designed, you have neglected. And you see these the irises shimmer as like spears of black light shoot from every single eye of mother and pierce through you. And then we like shoot out of like the hunter's like nebulous nothing brain as it actually takes a step back, reeling from this vision that you've sent it. Like it takes like a huge massive, like it's slow, like a titan falling, like as it caches itself and all of you on the ground feel the earth shake and tremble as like a like crack lightning bolts open from underneath it's like staggering uh, right heel. What happens with phantasmal force in terms of damage and whatnot? Uh, it becomes frightened when it fails its wisdom save, and then at the end of each of its turns, uh, it has to succeed on another save or take damage. So this thing is immune to the frightened condition, but it can be disoriented, I think. Okay, yeah, so we just see this thing like momentarily lose like its grasp of the situation, I think, uh, until the end of its turn, presumably, and you just sort of see it like reeling there as you're flying in the air. Yeah, and the condition the condition ends when you get a successful save. Wonderful. So it's okay. gonna be thinking about its mom for a little bit. <laughs> I mean, you also saw the vision, uh, and you saw those irises lock onto you. And even though it was just a vision, I think it, it's pretty scary, like scary for you to witness this thing's fears, right? Um, yeah. So now we are going to go to V. Uh, you see this thing stumble, right, and stagger. I don't think you can see Dewey, because he's like 60 feet in the air, which is out of the radius of the 40 feet of torchlight. Um, but this thing does stagger, like kind of out of nowhere, and like the, the ground trembles and shakes, actually, as you're like on top of Rev, who's like, ugh, still disoriented from the spear coming down. I think V is just recomposing herself, um, shouts out, this thing is beeping at us. Warning, this is beeping at us. Uh, what? This what? <laughs> V, are you okay? You didn't have to do that, stupid. Uh, I'm stronger than you. I can take more hits. Don't do that again, okay? I think um, V turns to look at Rev, and Rev sees in V's eyes her pupils, which are like purple and green. They look like they're like little flames burning. And V turns back to the creature. I'm going to use a sorcery point to use a quicken spell to cast Investiture of Flame. V is going to erupt into a quick flash of bright light as flames engulf her body. But you can still see her body. These flames aren't like hurting her in any way. She just has flames coming off of her body. And she is now immune to fire damage and resistant to cold damage. As she runs to this foot, 
bear hugs it to the best. I mean, her arms are like, you know, stretched out over it. And in classic V fashion, she's going to cast at level five a fireball. Oh, it's because you're immune to fire damage. In, 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 oh my God. Okay. It has to make a dex save. It's not very yep. dexterous. What's the DC? 17. It's, I mean, it's huge. It's really strong, but that's my third nat one in a row. What is happening? What is Thank you, this? Connie's dice. I'm glad you got my bribe. <laughs> what? I sent them some cookies, and I'm glad that they took them. Oh my god, okay, yeah. Then it gets it takes double damage. Uh, so roll your fireball at fifth level dice twice. Uh, 33 points of fire damage. Okay. And then for round two, 29 and 35 additional points of fire damage. Oh my god. What does it look like? He just grabs him and be like, no one fucks with my fiance. And boom, just this giant, at first it's bright green and then it fades into purple of, while it burns and then just dissipates out and you just see like sort of flames flicker away and yeah i think as like the flames like peel off away from you you feel the fire like you like can even like smell dust burning into void ash nothingness around you but you don't get hurt at all like your hair is just like f like unsinged like flapping all around you like a like a pirate flag right and when the f the greenish like exploding flames die down we all see that there's like a little bit of like like smoke in these huge gouts trailing off of its ankle but as the smoke clears it looks still the same uh, as it did before. It's hard to tell when this thing's hurt or if it's really getting hurt because it's just pure black, right? Um, but is there anything else you do, V? So whenever it ends its turn, if I'm still sitting by it, it's going to receive an additional 1d10 of fire damage. If Sounds it good. ends its turn by me. You're like, you're clinging on to like the top of its foot, like like holding half of its ankle around because it's like so thick and white around like a massive tree. Okay, mm -hmm. um, that's the end of your turn? Yes. All right, Rev's next. Uh, she's gonna like laugh out loud at what you did. She's gonna go, <laughs> V, you are deranged. I love you. Uh, and she's gonna like flutter over to the other ankle, which is maybe 30 feet apart from it, like 30 feet away from it. Uh, and at its like other ankle, summon Grim and do the same three slashes as before. So she's gonna roll for that. Please don't let me roll for shit here. Okay, uh, so technically all three of them again are misses, but she's gonna choose to hit and deal 40 three points of damage total uh, as she's just in a flurry of slashing like at its like base like whirling around like slamming with the butt of like Grim and then like swirling around and, like digging dragging the blade through its like inky black void and like whipping some of it out like as it cuts through to the other side and like Rev's actually gonna shout out I think all of you can hear because she's being very loud like this thing is it even getting hurt I feel like I'm dealing damage and passing through it but it doesn't even seem bothered I am dealing with the dog <laughs> Right, okay, Abiku, thanks for dealing with the dog. We'll just try to take its huge hunter owner down from chipping a single blow at its ankle at a time. If we just take out the feet, maybe we can get the whole rest of it to fall down. Not a bad idea. All right, here it goes again. And Rev's gonna like try to attack it again, right? Uh, that's the end of her turn. And now we're gonna go to this thing's turn. So at the end of its turn, it has to repeat the save. So here's what happens. Uh, it's reeling there, its ankles exploding, right? In like either direction, like one with fire, one with these like dark, like void slashes of like feathery energy. And then it like stalls, right? Like centers itself and like brings its like other foot forward. And all of you hear Rev go, whoa, 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 whoa. And she like as a reaction, like flutters away from it as it like kicks this like other back foot forward and like 
like stands like steady again, right? All of you like feel the earth quiver and it is going to use its three stored reactions. This is fun. Okay. Dewey, you see that the spear that it had taken out of its back, it's going to whirl it around slowly and just launch it downward, not at V, not at Rev, but directly at Abiku uh, and in also the direction of its hound. So Abiku, I need you to make a dexterity saving throw. 18? Don't don't tell me if it succeeds or not. I'm going to use an ability and I have to know if, if before it succeeds or fails. Okay. So I'm going to use my knowledge of a past life to roll in a d6 in addition. Now it's 22. Okay. As this massive spear comes like hurtling towards you, I think it erupts like like right next to you and you're able to like dodge out of the way in time before taking the entire brunt of the damage. Uh, so describe to me what it looks like as like, like you like sense it like at the last minute. I'm like focused on the hound. I'm watching Sun and the Hound fight. But I can't, I can't see because it it's pure black and it's coming out of darkness. And so I think it's like, she doesn't do anything, but she feels like Augusta wouldn't like push her back. Like she's okay. like standing still and she gets pushed back by something else out of the way. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, Foosh. knowledge of past life. She's instinctually moving you. And as you like, I think you're like shoved like in a straight line, like away from it as like, poof, you see this massive spear like slice into the ground and the earth like erupt up around you. So on a successful save against this move, I need you to roll a d4. I don't like that. Four? Okay, roll me five d10. Okay. 22. Uh, you are flung 22 feet away uh, as this thing's like sonic wave shoots out and like the wind tries to push you out of the way. And you're, you're like, you skid on your feet and then you fly up like through the air 20, 22 feet away and you land like close to the boulder where the god jar is stored and you just, you just okay. sort of land there. Okay. And that's where you're flung. V, the beeping from the spear right next to you. And also, Abiku's son will say, uh, uh, there's, there's something going on with that huge spear that exploded next to you. It's beeping really fast. Beep, beeping? I'm not, like, beep, beep, beep. Yeah, like, beep, 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 beep. V, the spear explodes. That was, like, lodged right next to its foot. It just absolutely just explodes as the beeping just reaches a fever pitch and, poof, and it explodes outward. Uh, so you're going to take... I'm going to say the full damage, which is what Sun would take, uh, and you're just going to take half of this. Uh, so the full damage is 35 points of slashing and 18 points of fire. So thankfully, you are immune to fire as this, like, bone shrapnel and shards just fly through the air and this, like, fiery... But the fire that explodes from it is black. It's like not white flame or blue flame or red flame or orange flame. It's pure black void flames licking out, hungrily devouring everything in reach, sucking the very oxygen out of the air itself as a poof, 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 just explodes outward. Same thing happens. And sun, I think, Abiku, you can see sun just like whirl around and go, ah, like and brace, right? As like the poof flame explodes around him. But at the last minute, sort of in bullet time, as you see sun like almost get hurt by this thing, uh, there's a poof, poof flash of feather uh, as Rev appears next to Sun and pulls him out of danger, actually, like off of the hound and out of danger and just sort of like rolls onto the ground and like with like her feather cape as like the fire, fire comes out, right? And Sun goes, uh, uh, oh, thank you. Oh, shit, she can't hear me. Uh, Abiku, can you say thank you for me, please? Uh, thank you from Sun and also thank you from me. And Rev just like raises like her head up and says, yeah, you got it. V and like turns around and boof, boof, like teleports back to where you are, V. So how are you doing after that explosion? I still got like I got like one more good hit. <laughs> so V's, uh, you know, she she took that the force um, 
luckily the fire damage just sort of like engulfed her and just like he's like fine from that but uh the force of the of the slash just cut through her a bunch you see like her her armor is just like real ripped apart and she's bleeding pretty good in some spots she's still she's still cooking though she's she's not like passed out or anything yeah, like Brev appears right next to you and uh, she's like looking you up and down. V, damn, are, are you okay? Here, uh, hold still. And she's gonna like like put her like hands over you and try to like f- like heal you a little bit. Uh, so her like hands begin to glow with this like dark void magic and like seal up some of your wounds. Uh, so you can regain, I mean, she's not a healer. You will regain 11 points uh, of, of damage uh, as she just seals up some surface level wounds and is like hovering over you. All right. Well, that puts me over half. I've got over half my life again. So Good, good. Uh, okay, and we are going to go back up to the top of the order, but at the start of this round, something is going to happen. Dewey, you're the only one who sees because you're up in the air. This thing had saved at the end of its turn against your phantasmal killer. It seemed to have like shaken off whatever like dark psychic tendrils you had cast into its mind and like it just drifts off of it, sort of like these dusty particulates off of its shoulders, this miasma of void just echoing off of its presence. And do you see something kind of uh, horrifying happen, I think? Uh, the two sort of like white plates of marrow that are like adorned onto the back of its shoulders uh, glow, uh, this kind of like dark black glow. And you see like just sort of coming out almost like um, you are weirdly enough thrown back to your time at the URL uh, when you were like mixing potions in like one of those like spinny, like a, a centrifuge, I think. Uh, and like when the potions would come out, like there'd be like, like a hiss and like steam would come out as like the little vials were released. Kind of like that. Almost like something's releasing from like the holes in its back. And you see these two massive bone spears like come out that look very different from the other ones it had uh, thrown. And it takes you a minute to realize what they are. They're not spears at all. Uh, they're like double swords that it's like like pulling out of its back like one comes out fully and it's like the length of a freaking river right the other one also comes out and it just the tip of it just vanishes into the darkness it's so long that you like don't even know like where it ends it's half the size of this thing's body which is over 120 feet tall and you get the sense that we're entering like a new phase the battle or something right like something horrible like this thing seems more i think annoyed inconvenienced i think by your presence than like actually battered even though collectively you've dealt over a hundred damage to this thing already right and it just pulls out these things and turns its blank gaze upon like the ground around it so at the top of your turn abiku i think you feel the weave just sort of tense menacingly around you you don't see it pull these like bone swords out of its back but you do feel like a bad gut feeling because you are attuned to nature and you're attuned to the weave and like if there were birds around here they'd be like chirping get out get out get the fuck out right like like it's like nature is like sort of calling at you to run like and you feel the weave like tensing around you because of it and make me a perception check because you're the one who's like flung the farthest away from the camp so 23 you feel the earth very faintly not like the huge tremors from the hunter's approach but it's shaking a little the earth is trembling from something outside of the hunter and the hound it's just sort of like rattling and you see a couple of like pebbles near you like sort of like tremoring and jittering off the surface of the ground uh and it seems to be approaching Mm. not from behind you but from the north behind the hunter inkabiku uh me austin won't yell but i imagine she's kind of yells at like oh okay so big stops i get it um 
oh, so something is coming. Uh, and she's saying that she's like holding out her hand and this like little like, these like leaves start dancing in her hand and she puts it down as the tornado continues to spin. And it spins until it's larger and larger as I cast Summon Elemental and Summon an Air Elemental. Oh my uh, god, how does that work? Uh, so technically Summon Elemental Spirit. Okay, uh, this swirling mass of just air like whips into existence. Like I think like whipping some of the dust like from the hound, which has sort of like turned onto where like Rev had thrown Sun off and out, out of danger. And Sun's like shaking himself up and like pulling himself up onto his paws and snarling up at this gargantuan hound. But the wind elemental like ribbons into existence. And I think, I think there are like, it's kind of cloudy, right? Like there's like yeah. little like bits of like mist sort of like gouging off of like the various like incorporeal limbs that it has out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just sort of like, whirring there and the hound like snaps its huge gnashing maw onto it and growls i'll use my bonus action until sun to keep attacking and verbal commands this thing to, like essentially i tell both my pokemon like get it uh okay yeah 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 so why don't we have sun uh make a bite attack i assume yes sun will make a bite attack nah it's under 20 for are you sure. gonna have so it we'll miss hit. again or will you have a deal damage i will have it do damage okay roll damage yeah nine piercing damage Okay, yeah, Sun leaps onto this hound, begins like gnashing his teeth into its like void fabric of flesh. And the hound just sort of like, lets out like a snort and again, in like annoyance or irritation uh, as like Sun's like this little leech like lashed onto its side. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> what about the wind elemental? What does it do? Uh, it will make two slam attacks. So I'll just roll both. Well, that first one's a one. Okay. <laughs> Roll the second uh, one. Roll the second one, and I'll t- I think I have an idea for how the one can resolve. And the second one, 19 plus 9, 28. That does hit. So let's resolve the hit hey. first, and then that one. It looks like 13 bludgeoning and 5 lightning damage as it slams in, and you see like a little storm erupt inside of it from sun as it slams yeah. into this hound. Love it. Little straight bolts of lightning erupt out as sun's like, like gnawing onto it. Uh, and the wind elemental just slams. It's like orbiting mass, like against the side of the other side of this mastiff. The mastiff stumbles a little and like snaps its huge maw around, like bites at this elemental. But can't, it's literally wind doesn't seem to get anything yet. Uh, and the elemental continues to swirl against it. So here's how I want to do the nat one, Abiku. Yes, I want you to, tell me. I want you to roll damage for it. Okay. Oh, of course, it's high. Of course, uh, for what was about to happen. 17. Almost max damage. Yeah. <laughs> Stray swirling wind uh, whips all around this hound. This like wind creatures going sort of like buck wild, like on this beast. Uh, and Sun, you hear Sun's voice in your head go, uh, uh, Biku, can you uh, uh, control this thing a little bit more? Uh, I feel like I'm getting caught in the crossfire. Uh, I, it is not you. It doesn't listen as well. I'm sorry. I, it is new. I just got it. Abiku! Uh, Abiku! Uh, and you can sort of see, like, Sun struggling to hold on as some of the wind begins whipping him. And Abiku, why don't you tell me, why is it hard to maintain control over this elemental? What about its power threatens to break loose from your grasp? I think it feels too familiar and she doesn't like that she doesn't know why. Yes. And I think Sun takes that damage as well. 
the 18, right? Okay. It bludgeons into Sun, and because of the nat one, I think it actually throws Sun off of the hound, and Sun goes, ah, and like flies through the air. There's a clatter of bone. Uh, Sun, I think, scatters across the ground before magic like reanimates him and like, like pulls him back up together. He, he shakes his head. He goes, ah, ouch, that wasn't good. Uh, and I think a Biku, even though like your friend is being hurt, your eyes are trained on this wind elemental because for a split second as it threw Sun off, you think you catch a glimpse of a face in its like swirling depths, a face that feels both familiar and unfamiliar. You just see it like flashing in front of your eyes, eyes and a slender nose, dark skin, full lips, smiling, sunlight coming through and then like you're jolted back out of the memory. <sighs> Yeah, I don't. I don't think she has any kind of verbal reaction. I think she continues standing her ground where she's been flung, um, and cinematically like gets her bow back out. Mm-hmm. You just shake it off and you pull out your bow, and like Sun's going, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'll walk it off. Easy damage. Easy damage. Uh, as he like pulls himself back up. Uh, actually, I'll tell Sun. Uh, get get ready for uh, aerial attack next. <sighs> you got it. You you think that's gonna be necessary? I think it is very necessary for that thing, yes. Uh, can we even win against this thing? That's just its dog, and the dog looks fine, and that thing is huge. It's like we as tall as the sky. Listen, we are de- us three are dealing with the dog, so the rest can, the paragons can focus on the big thing. Okay, right. Non-paragons take care of the dog. Paragons take care of the big thing. You got it. Uh, speaking of the paragons, we snap now to Dewey. Dewey, as you're flying up there 60 feet in the air, top of your turn, make a perception check. A 18. How far do your goggles of night extend? 60 feet. Okay. You're 60 feet in the air so you can see the ground. You see like the massive like lightless form of this creature as it like has drawn these swords and you just feel like the weave kind of distort and waver and tighten and fray around this thing. This thing is definitely an empty beast and it's freaking powerful. Uh, but your goggles of night, I think, actually slide down. Uh, and, like, I think you feel some, like, sweat coming down your beak uh, as something movement beyond this beast, behind this humanoid gargantuan figure, catches your eye. And your yellow eyes snap down and fix on a massive herd. A stampede of animals. There is, like, you just see, like, the, like, stagger into view, and there's at least, like, a hundred animals. Uh, you see, like, gazelles and horses and zebras and antelopes and cattle, and you even see a freaking elephant or two, like, like, throwing its trunk up, ivory tusks flashing as it enters the fray, right? There's, like, a sea of animals washing forward. It seems to be charging at this gargantuan creature from behind, and it's getting closer. And Dewey, you feel something pull at you, at your sternum, like a hook has been sort of like inserted behind the navel of your of your soul and is sort of like trying, like a fishing line, trying to reel you in from behind you, uh, around in the direction of where Abiku and the God Jar are, like a, a thread of the weave trying to pull you, trying to almost like tug at you, almost softly to turn around. Like no one else can see the herd right now. Right, so no. Dewey's gonna go, oh shit, and then like drop out of the air um, <laughs> towards his friends. So he's gonna drop down to the ground and try and get whoever's near him, be like, it's coming, the herd's coming, get to the boulder. It's V or, and like, Rev. Yeah, V and Rev yeah. are both down there. What, yeah, he's, what do you mean the herd's coming? What are you talking about? And Rev is like whirling around, like, can't feel this thing and fighting. I'm 
like in the middle of feeling a lot of things as she like dodges to the side as like a, the foot like steps up and tries to stomp at her. The, the herd is coming, get over here. And Dewey just takes off because she can teleport or whatever. Both of them can teleport. I think V would stay until the, until she sees either Rev saying it's time to go or a, even a Biku. Like I, V can teleport, she's fine. Okay. Uh, if V stays, Rev stays. Uh, then you do your best to call a warning and you're going to use the rest of your movement, I assume, to like fly back toward the boulder. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, you do that. You just foo, foo, like cut through the air like a knife, like an arrow, right? And you land, I think, close to where Abiku is, uh, who you see Abiku has like drawn her bow, right? And is like squaring off against the hound. He does his best to like hook an arm around. Uh, I guess she's t- maybe too tall for that if she's got her arms up. Maybe around a leg uh, or a waist. Please try. He's going to, like, grab onto the side of her shirt the best he can uh, and give it a good pull. But, like, he's just going to go, the herd is coming. Come on, get to cover. Uh, yes, you should get the wait. The herd you are looking for, shouldn't you go the other way? It's stampeding. I, I'll look at cover. Isn't that thing here to, didn't we think it's here to kill the herd? Shouldn't you be going to protect the herd because you are Gautinga? I can't protect it if I'm getting run over and neither can you. Come on. I, we have to make sure the herd is safe. I, you go. It is more important for you to get us safety. Uh, he sees this is a futile effort and dives towards the boulder with his god jar. Yeah, Dewey, as you dive toward it behind it, Abiku, I think, like, for flavor, you're, like, loose and arrows, like, at the hound. Like, you're, like, staying strong, standing your ground, just like V and Rev. So, Dewey, you dive behind it, and you see that the god jar is intact. It's totally fine. It's maybe, like, there's, like, some dust that's settled over it, because there's kind of dust, almost like a sandstorm, all around you, wafting off of this gargantuan shadow hunter. And you check, you check the jar, it's totally fine. You, like, hide behind the boulder. And yet again, you feel that tugging sensation. Right, hooked behind your sternum, somewhere between your sternum and your belly button, like a, a thread of the weave pulling you, pulling you, tugging you toward the darkness. Right, like there's something in the darkness that's calling to you, Dewey. You feel the weave tighten, and Dewey, your eyes fall upon a pinprick of golden light that flickers into existence maybe a hundred feet or something away from you just directly in front of you uh and this little like miniature sunbeam gets like bigger and bigger as it seems to like approach and as it does dewey you feel at first a sensation of immense pressure you've felt this sensation several times before uh first in the ujval mines and then at the weave spun nest and then in the heart of the carnival in front of the emperor and you feel it now uh, as this miniature sun gets bigger and bigger and bigger and i think i think you're rooted there and abiku you feel it too uh, and i think abiku because you are not a paragon that feeling that hits you from behind sort of like buckles you at the knees and dewey your eyes continue to fix on that like little glowing sunbeam getting bigger and bigger and bigger and you see stepping out of the darkness wrapped in its own radiant golden light dewey you see a white cow. It's beautiful. It's got like a hide of just like pure like alabaster, right? Like not a single spot, nothing at all. These big like black eyes with these long lashes. And it's just like striding very like gracefully and serenely toward you. And it's got these like two black horns that just rake up from its forehead and suspended between the horns is a miniature sun. That's what the light is, it's just glowing. And you hear Galtanger's voice in your head, Dewey. My paragon, it took you long enough. 
dewy. Your back pressed against this winter slick boulder, your feathered hands and arms clinging onto this god jar. Abiku prone, pressed down by the weight of divinity next to you. As you hear the god shard of Galtanger's voice reverberate in your mind as warm and radiant as the sun itself. Well, my paragon, what are you waiting for? We have to run away from the hunter now. We're just running? I have a plan. Don't worry. And these eyes, like the glistening, like beautiful, huge, like doe-like eyes on this cow, like move past you toward this huge thing. And we're going to actually like rubber band toward where V and Rev are fighting this thing. So V, why don't you just give me like some flavor about how you're like battering the ankles of this gargantuan hunter? Yeah, I think uh, V's sort of next maneuvers would be like to run up the leg and she's like casting fireball at the highest level she can. She's using sorcery's points to do it a bunch of times. She's just going to town throwing fire at this thing as much as possible. Yeah, we see V like fucking Spider-Manning it like up up the limb and little like like from the distance we see like little like flowers of green and purple bloom up like the the length of this thing's like calf almost like little fireworks like coming off uh but again it doesn't seem bothered it just seems mildly annoyed fireball after fireball sorcery point after sorcery point until v even like i think your paragon form is like like in full glow and like some sweats coming down your brow rev is doing the same thing we see these little flashes of like feathery raven slashes as like she's going at the other leg but this thing is just sort of like stomping its foot and we see like it's huge white blades like cutting through the air trying to like shave you off like a razor right but like y'all are like dodging it and it's like this is like miniature people going up against a freaking kaiju right it's like these little ants like climbing up its leg and it's like annoyedly trying to bash you down um and abiku you see this through like hazy eyes uh, there's like this kind of buzzing sound all around you that's like pulling you into like the depths of just like incapacity uh, and you see like the hound like growl and snap at sun you just see like sun like going at this hound and, like your elemental like whipping around it, like pestering it on either side, and you hear Sun's voice in your head go, Abiku, Abiku, hey, Abiku, what's going on? I heard Galtanger, it's, you don't feel that? What? Galtanger? What are you? Uh, and you see, even as you're like pressed there, like struggling to like hold on to consciousness, you see like Sun suddenly stumble as you assume like the pressure wave from Galtanger like hits him too. Uh, uh, and they like fall off and they get caught by like an errant swipe of like the hound's paw and they like sort of fly through the air and like land in a pile of bones, clatter, 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 like kind of close to where you are. They like roll to a stop, ooh, like dust skidding up uh, ooh, and like ana- like magic reanimates them, but they suddenly like become stock still, even as like a femur starts to clack into place. What? What is that? What? And you see like the bones like quiver in front of you and like struggle to stay like cohered. What's happening? What? This was just, this was just like Nebusa. Yes, I, before I pass out and I use an action to unsummon Sun so they don't have to be in pain with me. Yeah, Sun just goes, Abiku! And then like collapses, right? And like disappears in like a poof of magic, right? And I think that's the last thing you see Abiku before you I think you just straight up fall unconscious for like yeah, a hot yeah. minute there. Yeah, you just collapse onto the ground. V and Rev, this thing is not going down. And you don't know what's happening with the hound, but it lets out some sort of growl of victory, like some sort of like victorious, like, like from behind you. And Rev's just going, what the hell is happening back there? But before you can answer V, this thing begins to turn around. <laughs> 
its attention drawn to the ginormous herd of animals that's now running past it, kind of veered off at an angle, like to the right, and are like, like galloping away from this thing. And you see it actually like lob one of its like spear swords like into the middle of the herd, and you see like a couple of like animals fly through the air, and like like the earth erupts, but the majority of the herd continues galloping onward, and this thing begins to pursue. You and Rev feel another sonic pulse erupt from its left foot as it stomps down and starts to follow the herd slowly, like a, like a very slow giant. And the hound, which was like growling and advancing on like the incapacitated Abiku, snaps its head up and turns around as it feels this like dark void pulse wave and it obeys its hunter's command and turns and begins to like just sort of sprint after after the hunter. As the hunter like turns to like ignore your party and like is distracted by this herd galloping off. Uh, v, what do you do as as your enemy begins to leave? I think uh, V is gonna at this point notice like a Biku's down. Dewey is nowhere to be seen hiding behind a rock. And um, what happened to the rest of our horses? Did they unhitch themselves? Did they run away? They were still hitched. They look. They they have like whinnied them like all the fear out of their body. They're just sort of panting there and like sweating really heavily. Their eyes like wide, the whites of their eyes like huge and exposed. Uh, but all of the horses, Shadow included, who's maybe a little ways away from the hitching post, all of their heads are turned and fixed on something beyond the boulder. And with Scott and Nectus at all, would they be feeling the Galtanger's presence and be saying anything or communicating? I think so. At this point, I think that pressure wave has reached you and Rev. Uh, and Rev sort of gasps and like looks at you. Uh, and V, you also feel that uh, sensation sort of like ripple up through your body, almost like a resonance, uh, like two musicians playing notes that are in harmony with each other. Different notes, but they complement each other. It's just like vibrate through your body, through your very soul itself. And you feel Scott and Nectus, these like twin deities sort of like rise up, bubble up like dust at the bottom of the ocean, spiraling upward in response to it. And you just hear the whispered voices of Scott and Nectus go, she's here, Galtinger. I think with that, then V is going to uh, shout to Rev that we got to go that way towards that boulder and... Um... And Rev goes, what? Hold on, V. And disappears in like a whirlwind of feathers and reappears right next to you, Dewey. And she pauses, like in front, like protectively in front of Abiku's fallen body. As Rev also sees this, pale, this pure snow white calf, this cow, just sort of like standing there, maybe 30 feet away uh, from where Dewey is, just sort of staring placidly, right? implacable like you can't part it's a fucking cow like you don't know what expression is going on this thing's face right as it just stares in your direction it's her v get over here i think v will use like the last of her sorcery points to get a dimension door and just flash over there where are we running to we've already run when i said we i was referring of course to all of my other thralls uh, and the cow sort of lifts its neck up and like indicates the direction where the herd had stampeded off to that thing the hunter that has been pursuing me this entire time ever since the cataclysm ripped our world apart it is bloodthirsty and it never stops but it can be tricked I've bought us some time my paragon I've been waiting for you for so long. I could feel your presence in the weave so far away from me, but now, now you're here. 
I'm here. I made this for you. Uh, and he holds out the god chart. Abiku, let's say you're still slipping in and out of consciousness. Let's say you can hear all of this, right? But like your eyelids are kind of fluttering. You're like moving. It's almost like in a dreamlike state. Dewey, you hold out the god jar and you see this like cow's eyes like fall upon it. What is that? It's a vessel. Uh, I, I need your help, but like I'm not strong enough. Uh, so I made this. That's what I do. You make cages? Prisons? Tools it, of violence and control? It's not a... It's not a cage. Uh, I would know. No, it's like a... Temporary holding... Not cell. Um, I know a cage when I see one. Paragon. Your predecessor, Karvach. She was a prisoner of war before I found her, made her into my paragon. I know what it feels like to have my wings clipped. But... But this... You definitely don't want to be held in this body. And he, like, sort of does the gesture to himself. Why not? You are my paragon. You have been chosen by destiny itself to become one with me. Have you seen me? I... This this body is broken. You, There are... Yes, chosen. I was chosen. But, like, we all make bad choices. Scott, Nectus, sister. When Scott and Nectus' names are called, you feel them, like, like royal in you, and Revlet's on it. <clears throat> as like sister is called. What is this? I think V like feels this and just is like, Dewey, it's time. Just do it. Yeah, I... <sighs> Galtinger cuts in and says, why have you made a cage, a prison for me? You mean to entrap me? while you seek your own freedom? Am I to be a sacrifice? Am I and the other god shards to be sacrifices so that our paragons might live while we die against the stranger? Look, even if, even if I take you into my soul or whatever, and this body goes up against this me, I go up against the stranger, there's no guarantee there's a, we succeed. Can't fly, can't crow. like. Not really a good paragon here. Uh... You and Abiku, you feel the pressure lift like a finger cut, like a, a giant's finger coming off of your body for like a split second. And you well, like, I think you're able to like move and like everything comes like rushing back to you. Colors and sounds woo, like in full clarity. You are his friend, are you not? Speak. Uh, Can you attest to his character? You are OK. I am sorry. I can't talk to animals, so that's this isn't too weird. Just to to Dewey. Yes, to my paragon. Oh, you are Galtenga. It's a pleasure to see you again. Um, I am a fragment of an echo of Galtenga. This and the cow looks down at its front is not my body, not my true one. It is merely a 
memory of a manifestation of one of my myriad forms. Oh. Okay, thank you for the clarification. You want me to tell you why Dewey should be your paragon? You already picked him. I, I don't think I you would doubt yourself. I did not pick him. Destiny, oh. a force greater than even the eight of us, picked him and oh. you. And she turns to you, V. And you. And turns to Rev. But here, I see someone struggling against his own destiny. So, a biku, is it? Can you yes. vouch for his character? Yes, I mean, Dewey is like most of us. Most people down here struggle with... We struggle with... Some people struggle to pick breakfast in the morning. I don't anymore, but I, I, I'm sure it used to be quite hard to think how to start the day, but you are asking Okay, him, that's enough. Uh, and you oh. feel like the finger pressed down again. <laughs> and like, gosh, like, you, like you fall back down, right? Rev, let's hold up. Excuse me. Um, Chard of Galtanger, listen, this one, it is true, he struggles against his fate, but don't we all? Isn't there some way that thing is going to be back? We have to work together. There's no time to quarrel. Can you get in him even if he doesn't want you to? Is that possible? Uh, and Rev's looking around. Uh, and Galtanger, this manifestation of her, fixes her like glistening eyes upon Rev and says, You should know, Paragon of Death Incarnate, that the Raven Queen does not take unwilling hosts. She sent you on a journey of self-discovery before allowing you to accept her. Did you, did you not? And Rev lets out a, uh, uh, and like the voice that comes out of her is not her own. Yes, I did, sister. But you have a different methodology than me. You always have. You take what you want, don't you? Perhaps, but that is not the way here. And Galtanger turns her gaze back on you, Dewey. It's just like a temporary thing. You'll have to trust me in that my intentions are good. I just am not strong enough. Uh, like there is like a pronounced pause as Galtanger, this white cow, like this white calf just like looks at you. And then she says, trust my jailer. Trust the person leading me like a lamb to slaughter into the jaws of the stranger. I am sorry, Cardu, but I cannot. And I will not abide prisons. And when she says the word prisons, the god jar in your hands becomes extremely hot. Like, it like burns up, actually. Uh, and then it just cracks and shatters. Uh, as you see, like, the little miniature sun between Galtanger's horns, like, flare up. Uh, and the godjar that you have spent so much time working over, like, figuring out how to put together, finally putting this fight, like, all, everything you've sacrificed, your friendship with Kilohana and Pardnock, the blueprints, Oka's soul getting ripped out of their body, the Emperor's assassination, all of that just crumbles into a thousand pieces in your hands as Galtanger explodes it. I think Dewey takes a long moment. Uh, with his hands like where the jar used to be in his hands and looks down at this just pile of pieces and then when he looks up again is is the cow still there galtanger is still there and it's sort of like 
regarding you with a very cold, kind of like cold fire, stern look. And she says, I need to go. My herd needs me. Without its leader, it cannot hope to outwit or outrun the hunter. I will rejoin my herd for now. You, my destined paragon, you are in denial. Come back when you're ready to finally accept your destiny. Do you think I want to die at the hands of the stranger? I refuse, but this is not the way. There has to be a way though, and I don't know which will work and which won't, but I need your help. Then you've taken the first step to accepting the inevitable. And with that, uh, Galtanger's like the miniature sun suddenly flares very, very, very bright. And I think like, yeah, it's like blinding. And when the light like dies down, she's gone. And Abiku's like, oh, it's like, oh my God, like a gasp, like you could suddenly like move and like talk and like do things again. As I was saying, he, oh, did I, <laughs> did you, did you do it? Did I mess it up? No, you didn't mess it up, Abiku. The person who got himself into this mess did. And Dewey's sort of just like slumped against this boulder. Like he slid down a little bit and is just sort of staring blankly at this pile of ceramic pieces. And on like Dewey, just like staring at these shattered pieces, like emptily, like the words of your prophesized God still ringing in your ears. We are going to end the session there. Podcast editing for this episode is by C. Thomas of Okahian fame. Toss them a follow on Twitter at PieSharpArt. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and ExplainTrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out ExplainTrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanerRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanerRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon Paragons. Azura, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Purple Mouse, Scruffesis, and Target.